Welcome to LifeQuest, a program that directs you to subjects and books that will make a difference in your life. A program that will make you think and strengthen your journey of faith in the 21st century. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. Today on LifeQuest, I'm talking with Brian Simmons. He's the lead translator of the Passion Translation of the Bible. He and his wife are missionaries in various parts of the world. He is an author of a number of books, Bible studies, and devotionals. And today we're going to talk with him about the Passion Translation of the Bible. Brian, welcome to LifeQuest. Thank you, Dwight. Honored to be with you. Well, I, I want you to talk a bit about the problems in, in translating. My father was German, and so I picked up a few words, you know, schadenfreude, which you translate in English, uh, pay, getting pleasure from somebody else's pain, or schlimbesserung, which is an improvement that makes things worse, which seems to apply to any update on computers. So <laughs> sometimes it's got to be extremely difficult to find an English word or phrase to explain into another language, or vice, well, vice versa. Yeah, that's absolutely true, especially with the Hebrew text. Mm-hmm. Hebrew is, is uh, there's only 7,500 biblical Hebrew words. Contemporary Hebrew has a quarter of a million. Yeah. So what made the difference was vowels. But all of that to say, one Hebrew word, uh, for example, the word yom, which we know is yom kippur, or mm-hmm. the day, uh, that has 50 different shades of meaning to it. Whoa. So to, to pick one, you've left 49 out. Yeah. So there is, uh, there's untranslatable words yeah. in Hebrew that in English just doesn't come across. It's truly lost in translation. And in some ways, would it be accurate to say that every translation has to sort of be an interpretation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we shoot for that perfect sweet spot of accuracy and readability. Mm-hmm. We want translations that are accurate to the text. But, you know, uh, a word-for-word translation is a myth. It's just really impossible to do that. You must move words around. Uh, Hebrew verbs are not like English verbs. Mm-hmm. There's so many syntax issues, linguistic issues with Hebrew that requires that you uh, expand the text, that you, you yeah. make it clear what it's saying. Taking a number of sentences or maybe even a paragraph to get the same message across. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure your listeners, they don't want to just read the Bible, they want to understand it. Yeah. And God doesn't ever tell us, there's not a verse in the book that says, read the Bible. God wants us to obey it, to follow it, but you can't do that if you don't understand it. So it's so important that we have a high level of readability, and that's what we really are shooting for with the Passion uh, Project. I've got all kinds of translations, as many people do uh, through the years, of the Bible in English, and it is sometimes easy to forget that what is being written is thousands of years ago in a different world in many ways. Maybe in some sense we've got to do better at understanding the world of those times. Yeah, it's important that we not only have great uh, linguistic skill, but we understand the historical narrative, the cultural background of, uh, you know, for example, uh, Micah and uh, Jonah, mm-hmm. the, the prophets of old. They lived in an entirely different world than we do. So you have to 
as a translator, I've I've tried to put myself into their sandals, so to speak, yeah. and uh, really pray into the text as I translate it to try to bring out the nuances, the flavor of the text. It's so important that we we not cut that out. Sometimes people will take one verse, and as we used to say, they take a button and sew a vest on it. You know, it, that one verse becomes a whole theology or a whole way of thinking which may not have been in context in the first place. Yeah, that would be a problem, especially if you are not understanding that one verse. And it can't be understood in isolation. It Mm -hmm. has to be brought into the full context of Scripture. This translation that we're talking about today, which you call the the, the Passion uh, translation, why that? How does that work for you? Well, I think God is a passionate God. In, he's, in Exodus, he says, my name is Jealous. Mm-hmm. So God's name is Jealous. I mean, you think about that. That means he has passion for his people. He's jealous for his glory. He's jealous for our hearts to be in his, in his hands, so to speak. So he, he is a passionate God. And so many times we come to the Bible intellectually and expect it to enlighten us intellectually, mm-hmm. whereas on the road to Emmaus, the disciples, they weren't awed by the philosophy Jesus spoke. They said their hearts burned inside of them. Yeah. When's the last time we've read the Bible and our hearts burn inside of us? Because it, it is the Word of God. It's alive, powerful, anointed, inspired. And our hope is to really bring that emotive context to the Scripture that will not just touch the intellect, we've got great translations that will will help us, but a translation that will speak right to the heart. I, I want to talk a little bit more, if we can, about the whole issues and problems of, of translation. Uh, and, and we have so many. I, I know that sometimes, even like when the Revised Standard Version came out back in the late 40s, and there was one... A word in Isaiah that was translated uh, uh, young woman instead of virgin, and that became some kind of a theological debating thing. And, right. And, and so this happens over and over. I, I want to talk a little bit also about your own personal journey here, because, I mean, here you are, you uh, were converted uh, to Christ in 1971, and then you go to all, to some of these really distant people planting, trying to plant churches and things like that, how can you, you know, we talk about the Lamb of God and these people have never seen sheep. You know, that's sort of issue. Yeah, yeah, like the Sea of Galilee, and all they know is a a river. Yes. They have no concept of a sea. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles away from a sea, as we would know it. Uh Yes, any of these concepts, especially the Lamb of God, that's a very, very classic... uh, uh, problem that uh, indigenous Bible translators face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we basically just picked an animal that was, uh, uh, you know, a mid-sized animal in the jungle and then put some fleece on him <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and described it. So you have to become descriptive when you're going across culture. And to go from Hebrew to English is such a leap. Right. The Western mindset is linear the Hebrew mindset is circular, hmm. and 
the, our Jewish friends have no problem with the ambiguities, with the uh, apparent contradictions that you might find reading the Bible. Whereas the Western mind, we we don't want any unresolved issue. We want every everything categorized and and to fit neatly. Yeah. But Scripture doesn't always do that. It challenges. It, it stirs up to, to greater thought. To to touch transcendence, to be overwhelmed with mystery. That's mm-hmm. God is, you know, we're overly familiar with a God we barely know. And to to humble ourselves and say, God, teach us, uh, that's how we really get to know God and how his word is revealed to us. It's unveiled to us when we have that heart. There is a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible, isn't there? Oh, Definitely. Yeah, I've been doing word studies for 50 years. I've been delighted in discovering the, the hidden nuances and meanings, like racham, which is the Hebrew word for mercy, mm-hmm. but it's also the Hebrew word for womb, that uh-huh. God has womb love for us. Uh-huh. He has mercy for us, like a mother carrying a child, yes. that there is a tenderness that, uh, you know, one English word alone just can't bring it in its fullness. So it, it's fun. It's fun studying the text. Just taking what you discussed on that one particular word, doesn't that really give us a, an in-depth picture of what God was trying to communicate to us through Scripture? Yeah. That, yeah, we've, that we've missed, that most of us have missed for forever. Yeah, if I could suggest any anything to our, our listeners, it would just be to... So don't hold so tightly to a word-for-word mm-hmm. uh, uh, desire. I mean, I, I know we all want accuracy, but, you know, accuracy also includes, um, well, for example, when we text people on our phones, we use emoticons, don't we? Right. Smiley face, yeah. LOL, because we don't want them to misunderstand. We don't want to text somebody in all caps because they'll yeah. think we're shouting. So the Bible doesn't have emoticons attached to it. But yet, it's there within the text. So we're trying to bring, uh, you know, I guess maybe we have an emoticon Bible with the Passion Translation. We're trying to bring out God's passion. If he's angry, he's really angry. If he loves you, he really loves you. And we want that to be brought out. There has been, haven't there, through the years, uh, especially, uh, I'm speaking about the the English language countries, the kind of a resistance from some people in uh, modernizing uh, scripture or um, uh, going to a, a greater understanding of some of the words. It, they, they somehow feel that's sacrilegious. But of course, sometimes as English speakers, we don't understand that there are other countries with different languages. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we all, we all have our favorite translations, and that's wonderful. The best translation is, is the one you believe, the one you live. But uh, to pull somebody into uh, to new discovery, that's yeah. why Bible translations, we're, we're going to have a hundred more in the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. We're going to have even more translations, and we should welcome them all, because they'll all help us see even perhaps more clearly the God that we love, the God that we, we choose to serve. Because even English isn't static. I mean, it evolves and grows. Oh, yeah. Language morphs over time. Uh, you know, the King James Version, which has been a delight for mm-hmm. centuries, 
But yet, if you were to look at the original 1611 version, you wouldn't be able to read it. Right. It's over a dozen revisions itself just to update language. Now we have the new King James, you know, that that, uh, takes out even more archaic terms. Hmm. But when God spoke uh, the Hebrew text, it was street level. It was Hmm. the language of people. And Koine Greek, likewise. Uh, Koine just is the word common. Mm -hmm. So it was common street level Greek. So it's so important that we we don't over-colloquialize the text, but that we bring it into uh, vernacular that everyone can understand it. I remember one of my Greek uh, teachers went to Greece, and he tried to talk to them, but he was trying to talk to them in Koine Greek. It's <laughs> <laughs> a dead language. Yeah. No that, just like biblical Hebrew is a dead language. Yeah. Yeah, if, when I took three years of Greek and a year or so of Hebrew, for a while there, I didn't know what to read right to left or left to right, and should I start at the back of the book or the beginning? <laughs> you know, you get kind of immersed in some of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Language is a gift from God. It's, it's a gift, and it's a problem. And uh, it's a gift because it conveys his heart, but it's a problem because it, the revelation is bigger than any container we put it in, any word we put it in. It's always greater than. So we have to expand our, our understanding, be willing to to discover new things. If you just tuned in, folks, I'm talking with uh, Brian Simmons. He has uh, been, he is the lead translator of the Passion Translation of the Bible. Brian, we talked about a year ago. How has, how has this Bible translation been received? Well, uh, enthusiastically, uh, it's, you know, we're, we've uh, sold about a million copies, and uh, I call it my rough draft. We're still revising and uh, working on the text, and the completed Bible will be out in uh, 2026 or so. Really? Uh, they'll always be uh, our critics, and they're sent from God to make me a better man and a better <laughs> translator. So uh, yeah. we, we try to listen and respond in love to... Uh, you know, translations are very personal. I mean, yes. people, it's like your, your, your girlfriend. I mean, you yeah. don't track your, your yeah. girlfriend. You, you, we get hooked on one, and we want to stay with her forever. But And we've learned, as we go to church or Bible school or whatever, you know, as children, we learn certain verses. And uh, to hear them otherwise is a little harsh to some people. <laughs> Yeah, it's good, isn't it, that we compare and we look at all the translations we have available in English. So many uh, on my logo software, uh, my, I, I can access, uh, I'm going to guess, dozens at least, maybe hundreds of translations. Mm-hmm. It's fun. When I'm finished my work, I go back and look at how others have handled the text, and it's kind of exciting. As you've been uh, working on, on the uh, complete Bible, which means starting in Genesis, or maybe not starting there, but anyways, going through all those um, Old Testament books, was that more difficult than working with the New Testament and Psalms? Uh, actually, I think the New Testament and Psalms was a little more difficult. Okay. Because it was my first, uh, it's like anything, you get better, hopefully, with practice, yeah. and I'm 12 years down the road now with the uh. translation project, and I need less edits and less revisions to the newer works that I've done than mm-hmm. the early ones. So 
I'm looking forward to going back through the New Testament and and uh, just keeping it as accurate as I can to the original text. In one of your latest editions here of the Passion Bible, you have uh, paintings, pictures in them. Yeah, we have award-winning Ron DeCiani, who I'm sure your listeners have probably seen his art before, maybe not recognize the name, but uh-huh. he's a phenomenal artist, and he agreed to give us 60 pieces that we've included in the Masterpiece Edition, uh, and some of them are unique. They're unique to the, uh, to the Masterpiece Edition, uh, along with some devotionals by our friend Cheryl Ricker. So it is, um, it truly is, I'm holding it right now, it's just a, uh, our publisher's done a great job putting this together. I'm so proud of them. I've learned to really appreciate footnotes more than I had when I was younger, but they really can give a context, can't they? Yeah, we can give alternate translations, we give cross-references, we can give meanings of names and some things that you, you can't put in the text, but you can uh, they're needed for clarification, to understand why we translated it the way we did. Mm-hmm. So I spend just about as much time on the footnotes as I do the translation. The Passion Translation of the Bible, and it is uh, Brian Simmons we've been talking to, who is... Uh, the lead translator. Where can our listeners get a copy of, of the Passion Translation? I would guess an Amazon search. You can find it right there conveniently or christianbooks.com. Uh, both of those distributors, of course, Christian Books, we're putting our money behind a Christian company. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's available. Um, make a great gift for Christmas. Absolutely. Brian, thanks so much for being with us on LifeQuest. Thank you, Dwight. Pleasure. This program comes to you from studios in the Meadowglade Church, Battleground, Washington. Thanks for listening to LifeQuest today. If you have questions or comments, you may send them to lifequest at lifetalk.net. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. This program comes to you from studios in the Meadowglade Church, Battleground, Washington. Mm-hmm.